Hello there, it's Peter Mansbridge, host of The Bridge, where we reflect on the issues of the day and how they could impact you. Politics, public health, technology, they are just some of the topics you'll hear about. Cut through the clutter and tune into The Bridge, a serious XM podcast available everywhere. This is the time of year that a lot of us give to charity. For some of us, that means writing checks to organizations whose work we admire and getting tax deductions in return. For others, it means supporting a specific local cause, hands-on, with our time and our money. And for a lot of us, it doesn't mean either of those things. It just means opening our pockets here and there as we go about the course of the holidays. An extra few dollars on top of our bill at the grocery or liquor store. A bag of non-perishable food items paid as admission to the kids' school Christmas concert. A $5 or $10 bill dropped in a jar while a volunteer wears a Santa hat and rings a bell. It can even mean money given to a homeless person who is holding open the door to the mall. All of that, though, the occasional in-person giving, for a lot of us, look, it's just not happening in 2020. I know this isn't true for everyone, but I'm not doing my Christmas shopping at the mall. I also order and pay for my groceries in advance, and I do it electronically. I don't get chances to drop money in a box. There are no kids' Christmas concerts for me to go to. There are no office toy drives. I just have fewer opportunities to give. And that's not the only problem charities face this year. I am lucky enough to have had a stable job throughout this pandemic. There are plenty of people who are not that lucky. And some of those people would normally be giving to charities at this time. And instead, they find themselves needing them. This has all the makings of a perfectly ugly storm right in time for the holidays. So what has happened to charities in Canada during this pandemic? How have they adapted to the circumstances? And how can we help them now at the time of year when people need them most. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Bruce McDonald is the CEO of Imagine Canada, which works to bolster the charities, nonprofits, and social entrepreneurs around the country. Hello, Bruce. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. My first question, because uh, you deal with charities in all sectors, is just generally... How are Canadian charities doing during the pandemic? Well, it's a tough time, as it is for many parts of our economy and many parts of Canada. Uh, charities are experiencing kind of a double whammy. Uh, on, on one hand, uh, the supply of revenues and resources has gone down with an almost complete collapse of special event revenues or door-to-door canvassing not happening or other forms of revenues in decline. And yet at the same time, what we see is when Canadians are distressed, when the economy's disrupted, they turn to charities and nonprofits for services. So on the other hand, demand has risen. So it's a challenging time for organizations who really want to meet the needs for those people who come to them with requests for services, yet they're having to do so with fewer resources. When you say um, supply is down and demand is up, can you quantify that uh, a little bit for me? Like, like what percentage drop-off have we seen in donations? 
Well, it really depends on on the subsector. Uh, so, I mean, if you look at organizations like arts and and recreation, um, it, it's revenues that we really look at, including donations. But for those types of organizations, there has been a absolute drastic reduction for a period of time. It was a hundred percent. Theater groups, orchestras, dance companies. Uh, recreation places like boys and girls clubs or YMCA's were closed. Uh, some of them still have not reopened, and and those are earned income sources of revenue. So they've been down um, dramatically. I mean, some of the we don't have real time data for giving in Canada. It's one of the challenges. But if if we look at some of the uh, polling that we've done, thirty seven percent of Canadians have indicated that they have already been giving less since the start of the pandemic. Only eight percent have indicated that they've increased their giving. So when you start to roll the revenue lines together, uh, a dramatic decline in event-based revenues, some of the other in-person type activities down, individual giving down, earned income down, uh, it's it's really difficult for many parts of our sector. Do you know kind of where uh, that money is being lost? You touched on it a little bit, but uh, is it that people simply uh, have less to give because the economy is awful or it's just... We're used to giving in person in front of people. It's both. Uh, you know, we've got a, a report coming out next week, actually, that will, again, be a look at some inquiry that we've done with Canadians. And many of them are projecting they'll be giving less this holiday season. And the number one reason cited by far is a negative impact to their own personal financial circumstances. So I, I think when you see those who are individual donors giving to missions or causes for that purpose, it's harder to do so when you've lost your own job or your family is under sort of direct financial duress or stress. And at the same time, when you combine that with organizations who, for many, for many of them, that in-person connection at a 10K run or a gala event or any of those large event-based gatherings, that revenue has dried up almost completely. There's been many who've been adapting those initiatives to a digital or a virtual world. Um, but it doesn't seem like it's uh, attracting the same level of support that it would in, in person. You know, you just can't really replace it. And so uh, what we're seeing is pressure on revenue lines right across the board. I want to ask you about that adaptation in just a moment. But first, um, in terms of increased demand, uh, I know one of the indelible images uh, of the past year for me has been those crazy lines of cars in the United States stretching back miles to get to get to a food bank. Um, ha- has it gotten that bad in Canada? Do we have a sense of, of how much demand there is uh, versus, you know, a regular uh, time of year? Well, again, it depends on the sector. Uh, so we are seeing increases in things like food security, uh, increases in mental health support. So as Canadians have been challenged with the lockdown or, or social distancing measures, all that goes along with it, uh, those organizations that provide counseling or other support services have seen a dramatic rise. Um, you know, domestic abuse cases, particularly early on during yeah. the pandemic when people were told to stay home and for some, that was not a very good place to be. So it's, um, again, it's really dependent upon the subsector, but those, those demands are absolutely there. Is this um, the critical time for charities to raise money now that will supply people for the next year? I know for, for a lot of us, uh, the holiday season feels like the giving time, but, but is this when the majority of their income comes? Well, again, it depends on their revenue mix, but when you look at individual giving, 
In Canada, this truly is the season of giving. Uh, it looks like about 40% of individual giving takes place in the last six to eight weeks of the year. And if already Canadians are indicating that because of their personal financial circumstances, giving is down already, I think there's a lot of nervous charities heading into the last uh, part of December here, hoping that uh, their revenue lines will do as well as they normally do. What kinds of stuff have they been trying um, to compensate for the fact that, you know, you you don't have a, a lot of people standing outside the LCBO with uh, ringing a bell. Yeah, I mean, this is where, I mean, one of the good things about our sector is it, it is quite innovative all the time. So, I mean, early out of the gate, over half of organizations had moved a program online and almost half had created an entirely new program uh, in a virtual or digital space. And, and of course, they're doing the same thing with fundraising. So whether it's tapping rather than having to take cash and put it in a, you know, a, a donation box or a kettle, that kind of thing, uh, where you can tap your credit card and have things come up there, M many more digital campaigns as opposed to those in-person gatherings. Or even if you were doing a gala, rather than coming together with 500 people, I I've heard of organizations who have said, have the gala dinner at your own dining room table and watch messaging that comes from the charity so that you understand the impact of where your gift is going and how you're supporting those people. So we're seeing quite a lot of innovative practices, and it's just too early to tell at this point whether those have been uh, hugely successful or not. Uh, when we've talked to people from various industries on this podcast about the impact of COVID, you know, one of the things that that we always talk about is whether or not uh, the government support or government programs that have been announced to help uh, are actually making a difference on the ground. For this one, I don't even know if there are any government programs to, to support charities or, or bolster them. Are there? And, and if so, how do they work? Yeah. Now imagine Canada spends most of its time with the federal government. So I can, I can speak to those. So at the, the beginning of the pandemic, we had sort of what we called a, a a three-legged stool approach. The first leg of the stool was to say, let's ensure that charities and nonprofit organizations are included in the broad instruments that the federal government will use to support Canadian society. Things like the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy Program or Rent Subsidy or any of those other ones. And we were really pleased that charities were included in that. So, uh, you know, I can tell you both anecdotally, and we'll have some evidence on this shortly, it looks like um, the employment numbers are are holding at a reasonable level in our sector in large part because of the wage subsidy. Even employees for many organizations that were initially, initially laid off, have, some of those have been brought back. The key thing there is that many of them are uh, the ones who deliver service. That means those services have continued. The second leg of the stool was something that we called a, a kind of a, a grant program. Um, Many of the costs associated with running organizations wouldn't be included just under the sort of the heading of rent or, or wages. Um, this conversion to digital technology and doing business in a virtual world um, requires infrastructure dollars and other um, costs that wouldn't fall under those, those two categories. We have not been successful in that. The third area is uh, what we call, you know, donor incentives. So can we invite Canadians to par 
participate in both the emergency response for the sector, but also the recovery. And those could be things like a donor matching program or a change to tax credits, even if it was just on a temporary basis. We've not had any success on those yet either. The final area is that the government itself did do some targeted investments, so whether it was mental health or food security or the big emergency fund that was managed by three national organizations. So in total, it looks right now that the value of support from the federal government to our sector has been over $2 billion, which is great, and we appreciate that, but there's still lots to do. Hello there, it's Peter Mansbridge, host of The Bridge, where we reflect on the issues of the day and how they could impact you. Politics, public health, technology, they are just some of the topics you'll hear about. Cut through the clutter and tune into The Bridge, a Sirius XM podcast available everywhere. What about, and I know... You might not have the final year-end numbers for this, but what about large, you know, mega corporation donations? We're uh, owned by Rogers Sports and Media, which which obviously does a number of corporate donations throughout the year. I know there are lots of other Canadian, uh, huge Canadian companies, specifically media companies, that make a big point uh, about giving. But those companies are probably also in real trouble this year. Have you seen like? The average, uh, the average size of those kind of corporate donations fluctuate or, or are the corporations still coming through? Well, again, I, I don't have a quantitative number I can give you. Right. I just keep going back to that. But, but in your experience, though, because I, yeah. I know you won't have the numbers till the end of the year, I'm more just interested in like what's different this year? What feels different? Yeah. Well, from our perspective, it looks like two things have happened. And we did actually just recently put out a report that looked at uh, what was happening in corporate Canada during the pandemic. And, and I would say that there's a couple of things. One is it looks like many companies have stepped up, not just to continue what they had committed to doing, um, but also to do something in addition. So whether it was COVID funds or, or new contributions, they were stepping up to do something different. And the other part is that they've been unrestricting their gifts, which is very helpful. So maybe their support of an organization was... What does that mean? Sorry. Well, they may have been um, aligned with a particular program and the organizations come back and said, well, we can't run that program during the pandemic. And what the companies have said, well, you know what, instead of pulling our funding, why don't you take that program funding and use it for the health and well-being of the organization? So they've they've unrestricted it to allow for the organization to choose how it should be most wisely invested. And we're actually hoping that that might be a long-term trend because unrestricted dollars are one of the most challenging things to get because they actually help with things like digital architecture and infrastructure, those kinds of things, which we've seen during this pandemic, we need more than ever. You know, to, to use an analogy, the roots and the trunk are the are, are organizational health elements and branches are programs. We know that the branches will snap off during these storms if we don't have strong roots and a strong trunk. And hopefully what we'll see going forward is that funders of all stripes will say, you know what, there's a case to be made for not just program funding, but for organizational health funding as well. You mentioned earlier um, some of the things that have changed about soliciting donations, including, uh, you know, tapping or scanning to donate electronically. Has that been working? Do you guys uh, track, you know, uh, the rise of electronic donations? Because I imagine that was something you were thinking about even before the pandemic. Well, you know, it's interesting that uh, in conversations with Canada Helps, which is the online platform through which Canadians go can make donations to thousands of organizations, 
online giving has risen during this particular time, uh, even though other revenue streams may have gone down. And it intuitively makes sense. People, um, you know, can't give in person, whether it was at a shopping mall or were, you know, even on the street for uh, young people who are working those jobs to invite people right on the street to make a contribution. So those who are still expressing their generosity are doing it from the safety of their own home. So we are seeing a rise in digital giving. I think the challenge is it's not likely enough to offset the overall revenue declines. I'm actually super fascinated to see if uh, these innovations will change the average amount of money people donate. Because, you know, when you're talking about in cash, you usually have uh, a toonie or a five or a 10 to, to drop in the bucket. But when you're donating electronically, um, you're using your bank card and there really is no limit. So I, I wonder how uh, the dynamics of choosing an amount will change. Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I, I too will be fascinated to see how this unfolds because you could see on one hand, uh, not having limitations as to what's in your pocket could be really advantageous for charities. The downside might be is if you were giving it an in-person forum where you were really motivated by a story or some data or an impact uh, accounting of what the organization was doing, but that's not available, it could actually work against the charity. So yeah, I'll make my gift, but I'm not quite as emotionally connected as I was when I was in person. So it'll be interesting to see how this nets out for the sector. Um, one of your reports, and this is not actually about COVID-19, this question, but I was just fascinated by it, is one of your reports talked about uh, where charity work happens and how that's changing and the trend of moving towards workplaces and away from churches. Is this something um, that we're going to see accelerate as we go forward? Well, I, I think that Absolutely, we are seeing as companies are, for a variety of reasons, wanting to intrinsically looking at their workforce and the demands from their employees, wanting to ensure that some form of purpose related activity is built into their DNA. We do believe that we'll continue to see more and more companies who are intentionally, strategically and thoughtfully saying, we want to engage in the community. We want to make sure our employees are engaged. It's good for our brand. It's good for our company. It's good for everybody. And, and this is likely a trend that is going to continue, I think, as we have uh, consumers who are also demanding it and say, we want to make sure that these are ethical supply chains and that these companies are connected to our communities, not just from a community betterment, from a, a, but from a climate change perspective as well. So I, I think that is going to continue to be on the rise. This is kind of an awkward question that I've just been been wondering about is, is you know, we've heard a ton from our politicians, uh, from various business associations to, you know, make sure to support local this Christmas. Give your money to your local businesses. Don't shop on Amazon. Don't shop online. Um, but but buy things from your neighbors. And it, it, it sounds like it's such a virtuous thing for us to do that I, I often wonder if if local businesses this holiday season are almost competing with charities as being like the the place people put their money to feel good about. Hmm. That's a, that's a really interesting one. I'm not sure I've thought of it in that context. Um, I, I guess what we're hopeful for is that it's not an either or, but that, that it's an and. Right. And certainly the small business community has been so supportive of charities and nonprofit organizations through the decades that I'm hoping that there's also reciprocal opportunities where uh, if charities are still, you know, if they're buying gifts for, um, you know, say children in their programs, that they'll, they in turn can um, illustrate that generosity by purchasing local. 
Uh, I think the great thing in our country is that there's so many causes and even national organizations are usually national organizations that are comprised of many local chapters. So whether it's big brand names, uh, charities that are in your community, those are still local. And then there's ones that they only reside and work in, in, in your community. And I, so I, I personally think and hope that the decision about support is to be able to do both and not one or the other. Last question. Um, it's for me, but I imagine there's a lot of other people in my shoes. As someone who doesn't have a regular charity but does a lot of my holiday giving while I'm out walking around, uh, shopping, picking up groceries, buying booze, et cetera, et cetera, and I'm not doing any of that really this year, uh, what can I do to make sure that money that I would normally spread around uh, can really make a difference? Well, I think if they're not out doing the same kind of in-person shopping as they were in the past is to maybe do charity shopping online and say, here are the causes that I care the most about. And, uh, I, you know, there's so many platforms now you can make a $5 contribution or a $10 contribution. They're there, they exist. And just maybe take an hour, sit down, find the ones in your community that mean the most to you and make that contribution. Bruce, thank you so much for taking the time uh, for us today. And I hope, uh, I hope all charities get the help they need this season. My pleasure. And thanks for the opportunity to give voice to this sector because it's so important for so many Canadians who rely on the services. That was Bruce McDonald, CEO of Imagine Canada. And that was The Big Story. You can find more. By now, you know this at thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can find a whole bunch more great podcasts at frequencypodcastnetwork.com. You can find Frequency Podcast Network itself on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, at Frequency Pods. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.